0: it's 49ers cutback podcast time welcome to the show everyone 49ers versus vikings game preview show we now know who's going to be playing which injured players for the 49ers are basically out of this game one of them confirmed today by kyle shanahan so we now have a clear understanding of who's going to be playing in this matchup on monday night football 49ers versus minnesota vikings and i'm looking forward to talking about it so The big news, of course, if you haven't heard yet, is that Debo Samuel uh, is injured and his shoulder is worse than what they had thought. Of course, the imaging that first came out was clear. The x-ray and the MRI both confirmed it was nothing serious. But later in the week, Debo Samuel was still having shoulder injury uh, concerns and still having pain. So they sent him for a CT. Uh, That scan confirmed that he had a hairline fracture in his shoulder. Now that hairline fracture is going to keep him out at least the new next two games. So that means he will be out against the Minnesota Vikings and the Cincinnati Bengals. The 49ers bye week could come at the exact right time, meaning he has another couple of weeks to prepare and get ready and get back for when the 49ers travel to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. So Debo Samuel will not be a part of the 49ers game plan moving forward. Of course, they're going to have to adjust and we'll get all into that in this episode as well. The good news is, before I hit you with some more bad, is that Christian McCaffrey was at practice and he's expected to play in this game. He was listed as questionable, uh, but with him going through a practice on Saturday, that means it's very likely Christian McCaffrey will be out on Monday Night Football and I expect him to play in this matchup. The bad news continues, though, with Trent Williams not at practice and listed as doubtful. It appears Jalen Moore will get his first start of the season replacing injured Uh, left tackle and all pro left tackle Trent Williams. So uh, 49ers potentially missing two of their big time stars against the Minnesota Vikings. And it's going to have to be young players stepping up. That means uh, more opportunities for players like Ronnie Bell or Ray, Ray McLeod to make some plays at the wide receiver position. And for Jalen Moore to come in prepared to take on what he's going to see from this Minnesota Vikings team. So it's a lot of fun. We'll get in all into all this, uh, during this episode it's a texas showdown in the postseason and and bet online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up to minute stats news scores and matchup breakdowns get the latest game odds spreads and totals for the nfl and college football at your fingertips with bet online's real-time updates on statistics news and odds You have everything you need to stay up to speed on each lcs all the way to the world series Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use your promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. A V—to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So now that we know who's going to be in this matchup and who's not, uh, we can kind of figure out exactly what the 49ers need to do to win this game. Now on offense, there becomes real clear matchups that have to be won That are going to be difficult. Key matchups that could somewhat go the way of the Vikings. So the 49ers have to figure out how to limit the pass rush a little bit. It starts, of course, with Colton McKivitz versus Daniel Hunter. And whether Trent Williams was playing in this game or not, that was going to be a matchup that the 49ers were going to have to make sure they kept an eye on. Daniel Hunter has been one of the best pass rushers in the entire league this year. He's attributed eight sacks uh, for this Minnesota Vikings defense. He's done a very good job. And Colton McKivitz, let's be honest, against certain players, has struggled. T.J. Watt definitely got the best of him. And, of course, T.J. Watt's probably one of the best pass rushers, if not the best pass rusher in the entire league. So that's nothing that anyone should be concerned about as far as uh, that he's ultimately going to get smoked by every pass rusher he goes against. T.J. Watt's just that good. But when it comes to Daniel Hunter, he is kind of a... Real matchup problem for Colton McKivitz. Part of the reason that he's a matchup problem is he's a nice combination of speed and power. So if you get just speed against Colton McKivitz, Colton McKivitz's power can hold up. He's quick enough to get there, and then he's strong enough to hold, hold them off. And then if they're all power, he anchors pretty good as long as he protects his chest plate. Then he doesn't have to worry about the speed element, so he plays it better. Where he has problems is when he goes against these unique and very rare players that have the combination of power and speed that Daniil Hunter has, that TJ Watt have. Those guys that, yeah, they can get upfield and they can bend the corner on you, so you have to fly out in your kick slide and make sure you uh, get out and get enough depth to be able to cut them off. All the while, they have speed to be able to get inside on spin moves and inside rips, or to get into your chest plate and back you down. Because if you're flying out, Trying to get cut you cut them off and get to your spot and they decide to change direction and get into your chest plate It's hard for you to anchor sometimes So that inside move that inside power move is going to be very difficult for Colton McKivitz to stop in this game But what do the 49ers have to do? They have to make sure first they establish a run game That's right If you establish a run game and you get Colton McKivitz going forward You get him run blocking and wearing down Daniel Hunter uh, that will be a big pivotal part of this game. Establishing a run game takes the pressure off an offensive line. It also will allow you to get into play action pass, allow you to move the pocket. All of those things contribute to the effectiveness of the Forty yards offensive line. An offensive line that's not built to just straight pass protect. Uh, of course, Colton McKivitz is actually a better pass protector than his predecessor, Mike McGlinchey, but... Uh, It's always certain situations that can get you in trouble. We talked about the pass rusher type that gives Colton McKivitz fits. And let's be honest, it gives all tackles not named Trent Williams fits in this league. So Colton McKivitz has got to be helped out by a nice run game. By doing that, you're going to take the pressure off of him and others along the offensive line. Next, you're going to have to make sure you chip. Uh, so chipping means use a wide receiver, use Kyle, use check, use an extra tight end, whatever you have to do to slow up Daniel Hunter's initial attack. That will negate the speed portion, so then Colton McKivitz doesn't have to worry about flying out there and potentially getting on skis and getting taken to the ground or knocked down or just overall uh, taken advantage of. And I think that's going to be important in this game. If the Foyers can, number one, try to get Daniel Hunter to move outside further Uh, just as far as alignment, get him to move gaps a little bit, make him more of a wide nine-caliber player out there. We know they run the 3-4. Just get him to line up as far as you can outside. Make it a longer distance for him to have to go to get to Brock Purdy. And then Colton McKivitz has just got to execute. He has to feel comfortable. He has to feel confident in his slide. He needs to make sure he gets his hands to the chest plate of Daniil Hunter. He needs to make sure that Daniil Hunter has to work for every single thing he gets. The truth is, Daniil Hunter's probably going to get into Colton McKivitz at least once in this game. That's how good he is. That's how technique sound he is. So McKivitz has just got to battle. He's got to fight. And the 49ers got to do their best to help him along the way. Motions, shifts, uh, making sure you chip, running the football effectively. Those are all things the 49ers can do to help Colton McKivitz. Here's where you run into a little bit of a problem, though. You also probably need to help Jalen Moore. I know Marcus Davenport's not going to be playing in this game, and that will definitely help. But you also are going to be going against DJ Wanum, and he's not exactly a bad player. Watching his film, he's pretty talented. He's got length. He's got a little bit of speed. So Jalen Moore is going to have to hold up against DJ. Can he do it? We'll We'll find out. I think he'll be okay. But where do the 49ers turn their attention? Do they turn their attention to McKivitts against Hunter? Galen Moore against DJ Wanum. What do they do? I think this is one of those ones where it depends on where you're going with the football, uh, what your reads are, and who's in the football game. I think the 40 yards are going to have to try to establish a run game to help both of their offensive tackles. It will be one of those games that's highlighted by possession. Time of possession is important, and the Vikings struggle to get teams off the field. So maybe that's where the 40 yards have their advantage on offense. Of course, having Christian McCaffrey is going to be a big part of that. Because now when you have Christian McCaffrey as part of this lineup, then what he does is he creates some matchups that you like. You can motion him out. Uh, You can get him involved in the passing game. But also, he's your best runner as far as vision, physicality, just understanding where he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to do. He has just great feel for running the football. So having McCaffrey is going to be absolutely huge in this game, and that's exactly what you have to do to take the pressure off. Do I worry a little bit about Jalen Moore if it's a third and long situation? Absolutely. Stay on schedule this week. Make sure it's third and four, third and three. Those types of situations are very beneficial for your offensive line because if you have to hold your block a long time and Brock Purdy's not able to get rid of the football with the amount that Minnesota blitzes, which they blitz more than any team in the NFL, and the type of Defensive fronts they show you. So they run all different looks. They'll bring everyone at the line of scrimmage. They move everyone around. They're trying to confuse your blocking. You're going to have to make sure you can navigate through it quickly. One of the easiest ways to do that is to make sure you don't have to worry about it being third and 10. Third and 10 are not good situations for the 49ers because it's not good situations for Colton McKivitz or for Jalen Moore. So the 49ers are going to have to make sure they're effective on first and second down, both running the football and with timely pass plays. Get Brock Purdy into a rhythm in this matchup. And when it comes to rush yards, the 49ers um, have been really good, over 140 yards on the ground per game. And the Vikings are giving up 112 yards on the ground per game. So uh, you would think the 49ers should be able to get to that 125 to 140 range as far as running the football. And if that's the case, I expect that will help those two offensive tackles very much. And that will also make it easier as far as time of possession, keeping your defense off the field, but also converting on manageable third downs because Brock will be able to get rid of the ball to his hot route, knowing that, yo, even though I got rid of the ball quickly, it's still enough for a first down because it wasn't third and long where he has to hold on the football and wait for something to develop down the field. Now you can get the ball out, get it to your playmakers and let them create. Will that be a little bit more difficult without Debo? Of course. Anytime you have Debo in the lineup, you have somebody else they have to pay attention to. But knowing in advance that you're going to be without Debo, Kyle Shanahan can build into this offense what he needs from his players that he has available. So expect to see Ray-Ray McLeod used in some of the the bubble screens. Those are impactful this week. Uh, Use those. Those were open against the Cleveland Browns. They just weren't executed. If they're executed in this matchup, look for Ray-Ray to have some plays. Also, the blocking of Jawan Jennings. The Rayburn-McLeod is going to be pivotal. They struggled against the Cleveland Browns to make the blocks they needed to make, and that held the 49ers' offense from being able to do the things they needed to do. This That game against Cleveland, the missed plays that the 49ers had, it could have easily been a big victory for the 49ers. They could have easily scored 30 points in that game. but lack of execution definitely held them back. So on offense, the main, main job is to make sure that you go ahead and establish a run game and win these key matchups at right and left tackle against Daniil Hunter, against DJ Wonham, and just make sure that your tackles do a good job. And You have to make sure you run the ball to be able to do that. You also need to get Brock Purdy in a rhythm this week. That was one thing that was very clear on film, was that Brock Purdy never looked like he was in a rhythm the entire game against Cleveland. How much of that was him going against man coverage, and how much was the fact he didn't throw the ball Uh, you know, down the field until it was a second and third and long situations on the second drive. Before that, all he had done was a shovel pass and a screen pass. Uh, So getting some easy looks for Brock Purdy early in this game, I think are going to be pivotal, making it so you move the pocket potentially, uh, get a nice rhythm throw for him, find something that you can get to get Brock Purdy at rhythm. Once he gets in rhythm, he's one of the best in the league about making sure he's timely, throws with anticipation. And he throws a nice catchable ball that his receivers can make sure that they can do something with after the catch. And Brandon Ayuk and Brock Purdy's chemistry and working together is going to be very important in this matchup because there is no Debo. So the main cog is going to be Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle in the passing game. And so far over the last two weeks, Brock Purdy and Brandon Ayuk have just been a little off. And for whatever reason, if they can get on the same page, they have the potential to have big-time plays against this Minnesota Vikings defense. The defense likes to take chances. The defense likes to be aggressive. With aggressive attacking style defenses, you find opportunities for big plays down the field. One mistake by them, one time they don't get home on the blitz, and next thing you know, it's a touchdown and you're in the end zone. So uh, 49ers need to take advantage of the aggressive style of the Vikings and get the ball to Brendan and George Kittle where they can make big plays down the field. Let's flip it over to the defense and let's talk about the defensive matchups uh, that the you know the four yards are going to have to make sure they win. And right off the bat, the first thing that I see is you have to make the Vikings one-dimensional. So you have to make them take away their run game completely. They average 75 yards on the ground. Alexander Madison uh, and this run game with Cam Akers, who they traded for from the Rams, just hasn't been effective on the ground. They've really struggled since they moved on from Dalvin Cook. And they haven't been able to consistently move the football on the ground. The 49 are going to come in and look to take that away. Because when you make a team one-dimensional, it just makes everything else in the game easier. You throw in the fact that the Minnesota Vikings are without Justin Jefferson. And now you've got a more limited ability uh, to convert on third downs with the passing game. So if you, anytime you can force third and long, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. It's not that the Vikings are devoid of talent. They still have T.J. Hawkinson, the very talented tight end. That's going to be a tough matchup for the 49ers. They have K.J. Osborne. He's got a lot of speed and ability. Uh, And then they got the young rookie Jordan Addison. These guys have the potential to make plays in the passing game. And Kirk Cousins is very good about going through his reads, locating the proper guy, and then getting the ball out in a timely fashion. The problem is if you can limit them early on in the play, then he will have to hold on to the football. When he does, uh, he's very prone to making mistakes or getting sacked. He's been sacked 15 times in this game. So the 49ers defense is going to be looking to hunt. And now that you have Randy Gregory rushing opposite of Nick Bosa, look for the 49ers pass rush to take an uptick. Also with Kirk Cousins, if they can limit him, uh, his underneath routes take away his checks Early on in the play, you might may get him to hold on the football and allow your defensive line the opportunity to get home. Of course, with all things, the Vikings' offense is going to look to get rid of the football very quickly and limit the effectiveness of the Forty ers pass rush. But it all starts with running the football first. 49ers come in there and they stop the Vikings' attempts to run the football. They will abandon the run. They don't just stick with it. They're not as... Uh, you know, dead set on doing it like a guy like Sean McVay who will just run over and over and over uh, and just prove that, you know, he can convert later on in downs. They don't do that because they struggle a little bit in third down success, which we're going to get into in a minute. But one of the keys for the 49ers is to make sure they limit the run effectiveness. Make them one-dimensional. And once you make them one-dimensional, then you strategically take away the parts uh, that they want to get the ball to. Now, he feels the most comfortable with T.J. Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. So take away T.J. Hawkinson. I think that's the number one thing. How have the 49ers done it this year so far? Mainly with Tashawn Gibson. Tashawn Gibson playing Darren Waller one-on-one, uh, going out there and playing Pat Fryermuth one-on-one. We've seen the 49ers just be willing to put Gibson on an island. I think it's going to go with a multitude of different looks. I think if Justin Jefferson would have been playing in this game, it would have been more difficult to pay as much attention to Hawkinson as the four years are going to be able to. But Fred Warner and Dre Greenlock can help take things underneath away, and then you can use Gibson and Hufanga to take things over the top. Bracket coverage is not out of the question. Making sure you double him and just take his effectiveness away. Make Jordan Addison, make KJ Osborne, make Powell beat you in one-on-one situations against your corners. You have to feel comfortable with Yammer Lenore and with Charverius Ward on the outside and the way that Isaiah Oliver's playing inside, those matchups could work in the 49ers' favor. So that we take away the run. Now we know that it's a pass play. So that allows these guys to really be able to attach to the wide receiver that they want to be on and do what they're supposed to. Steve Wilkes mixture of zone and man coverage should confuse Kirk Cousins at times. Now Cousins is a is a real pro, he understands what he's looking at. And his adjustments from what he saw pre-snap to post-snap are usually very good. It's difficult to confuse him, but it can be done. One way to do that is to put pressure on him. You put pressure on him, you only allow him to get to reads 1 and 2 and get rid of the football, which means if it goes 1-2 and you've taken away hot, he's going to struggle. If you've taken away the check, he's going to struggle. And with his ineffectiveness as far as being able to use his legs, uh, you don't really have to worry about Kirk Cousins extending plays with his legs, which has been something the 49ers have faced over the last several weeks. A more stationary target, a pocket quarterback and Kirk Cousins is definitely better for the 49ers defensive pass rush. Now I'm not saying Cousins can't extend plays and can't run the ball when necessary, but that's not what he's known for. So you're going to have a better opportunity to tee off on him. So, collapse the pocket from the middle with Armstead and Hargrave, and bring the speed on the outside with Gregory and Bosa. And we all know once they get into their bag of tricks and they start bringing TE stunts, uh, they're going to be able to get somebody free, and Fred Warner will also blitz as well. So speeding up the Kirk Cousins internal clock, very important in this matchup. And if you limit the run game, you take away a second down effectiveness uh, by getting after him and it's third and long. So I think the 49ers can get off the field because they're very good at that. And then just be leery of the screens. We've seen teams taking advantage of the 49ers on screens this year, and you just need to make sure you go in there and be willing to retrace, track those plays down. And if you're getting through too easy, there's a good reason why you're getting through too easy. Uh, so let's talk about third down success a little bit because when it comes to winning football games, if you're good on third down and you're good at protecting the ball, you're going to have an opportunity to win. When you look at the numbers, as far as third down conversions allowed, uh, the Vikings allow teams to convert at 43.5%. So that's good news. The 49 yards went against the number one defense in third down conversion rate last week in the Cleveland Browns. We're only to, able to pull off a three for three of 12. It's four yards it's, were almost 50% before that going into the game. So... 49ers need to be able to convert at a higher rate, and right now the 49ers convert at 43.9%. So you want that total up there closer to 50%. Of course, we talked about the Browns game. Well, the Vikings, they struggle on third down conversion rate. They only convert at 34.3%. A lot of that is their ineffectiveness on early downs with the run game. So if the 49ers can limit them on third down and allow not allow a conversion rate uh, that is close to 40%, are going to get off the field a lot on defense and give their opportunities uh, to the offense to make plays. So I think that's a big part in this game where you see 49ers are good on defense on third down and they're good on offense on third down compared to the Vikings who are kind of bad in both areas. And I think that's huge because that'll play into time of possession which the Vikings struggle at, but the 49ers know if they can really use the clock Stay on offense, keep Kirk Cousins and that offense off the field. They'll also wear down the Vikings defense as this game progresses and make it easier for Jalen Moore and for Colton McKivitz and also just take away the opportunities for the Vikings to win. it will also get the crowd out of the game as the 49ers take over the clock and potentially add and extend a lead. Uh, Lynn, let's talk about turnovers. The 49ers have caused 11 turnovers this year. That's 11 takeaways, 10 interceptions, one fumble uh, that Fred Warner knocked out against Tony Pollard on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago. And so that's a really good number. 10 interceptions leads the NFL. So the 49ers have a ball-hawking secondary, and they've all been getting it done. Every single secondary player uh, that starts for the 49ers has at least one interception this year with Ufonga and Diamond Lenore leading the team with two each. And, of course, Fred Warner has two interceptions as well. So. Uh, Big-time play from all-pro Fred, and those, that's where you're getting a lot of your turnovers. The Vikings have caused six, uh, so they've definitely been still creating turnovers. They've had two games this year where they've gotten fumbles in the fourth quarter, so those are things you have to make sure you take care of, take care of the football, finish off football games. As far as giveaways, the 49ers have only given away uh, turnovers on three occasions that was the Brock Purdy strip sack in week one against TJ Watt. This one, he wasn't able to get back. Uh, then they had the Christian McCaffrey on Sunday night football where he fumbled at near the goal line. And then, of course, last week, Brock Purdy's first interception of the season. With the Vikings, they have 13 giveaways. And only four of those are interceptions by Kirk Cousins. So there's been lots of fumbles and lots of opportunities that the Vikings have given away the football. So just imagine this. The 49ers are plus 15 in turnover differential because uh, the four ers are plus eight and the Vikings are minus seven. Now, we'll remember last week, Cleveland was also minus seven in turnover differential, uh, but the 49ers beat them in turnover differential last week, two to one. 49ers forced two turnovers and only gave away one. That's usually a recipe for success, but they lost the time of possession. They were even on third down conversion rate and they were just... I mean equal on penalties and when that happens uh, you have a chance to lose a football game so uh, I think the 49ers have some opportunities you can see they can create turnovers and they can force uh, third down stops they're going to have a really good chance of getting their offense the football back and being able to create now I want to get into the wow that's bold predictions wow that's really bold whoa It's got to be really bold. It's got to be whoa. And the the wildest bold predictions for this week, I uh, definitely had to wait to see who was going to be injured and everything. This is the reason I pushed back the game preview show. I just wanted to make sure I could intelligently talk about the players that were going to be available. I didn't want to talk about Debo or Trent if they weren't going to be going or heaven forbid Christian McCaffrey. Uh, But my wow, that's bold this week on offense is that Brock Purdy is going to get back onto it and he's going to throw two touchdown passes in this game. I think he's going to be effective. I think he's going to be more accurate. I think he's going to be more comfortable. And I know we've heard conversations about the amoeba style defense that Minnesota is going to be running, the amount of blitzes that are going to come his way. But Brock Purdy is a very talented guy and his elite skill is between his ears. Uh, He's very, very smart. He processes information very fast, and he gets rid of the football quickly. There were plays last week that either uh, weren't executed by the player he was throwing it to, get, throwing it to or not executed by himself. They're going to get that worked out. They're going to figure it out. They're going to have more effectiveness in this game against the Vikings, of course, as long as they can get protection uh, from each one of the tackles. But I think the Forty yards get two touchdown passes from Brock Purdy this week. And then Christian McCaffrey, he extended his record to 15 touchdowns consecutive in consecutive games last week and I think it's going to be 16 but I don't think he's just going to get one touchdown I think he's going to get two I think the 49ers are going to turn to the run game a lot and I think uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to have two rushing touchdowns in this game against the Vikings now over on the defensive side of the ball this 49ers defense has been putting together games where they have gotten turnovers and I have been very happy uh, with their turnover rate this season. They have been creating turnovers and giving opportunities to the offense. I think this week they take it a little bit further. I think the 49ers are going to force two turnovers in this football game, and one of those turnovers is going to be a defensive touchdown. I think it's either – I think it's going to be a pick six or a fumble picked up for a touchdown, going out on a limb, going bold. uh, But I think there's an opportunity for it. Lenore almost had a pick six last week, and I think the opportunity for one is going to present itself in this game. And I think the four years are going to take advantage of it. And then my other wild, wow, that's bold prediction is that the four years are not only going to hold the Vikings under their season average on third down, but even further than that, I think they're going to hold them under thirty-five percent on third down. Four years are going to have a great defensive game against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings because I think they're going to limit them uh, rushing the football, force third and longs, so and I think they're going to have some opportunities for sacks. Wouldn't even be surprised to see Gregory and Bosa come away with a sack each in this matchup. That's not a while wow, that's bold. That's just uh, something that I'm seeing. So let's talk score prediction, right? We've went through the matchups. We understand what the key matchups in, are in this game. Uh, if you watch my other videos that came out this week, uh, you know I think that there's a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy this week, and I think he can handle it. I think with the injury concerns to McCaffrey, Debo, and Trent, right, it was going to be on Brock to make sure he can make the proper reads against his Vikings team and get rid of the football and I know he can. He was making the proper reads against Cleveland. He just wasn't able to quite execute. Well, I think that execution is going to be on display this week. And I think this 49ers offense is going to bounce back. And I think they're going to get back into their winning ways this week against the Minnesota Vikings. I, I think it's going to be a good game early. And then I think the 49ers are going to somewhat take over as we get into the third quarter. And then I think they'll hold on. I think the San Francisco 49ers defeat the Minnesota Vikings 27-17. And I think that you see uh, the 49ers go ahead and get it done. I did leave in a a possibility for a mix, missed extra point with the 27 number. Sorry, guys. Uh, but, yeah, I think that it's going to be a good game for the 49ers. I think they're going to go out and execute uh, the two rushing touchdowns for Christian McCaffrey, two throwing touchdowns from Brock Purdy, one missed extra point. Sorry, guys. But that's just where I'm going with it right now. Um, But I think they get the win. I think the defense plays really well in this matchup and they hold the Vikings down. I wouldn't even be surprised if the Vikings don't come up with 17, but I just wanted to show some respect to Kirk cousins. I think he's a talented quarterback that will get them in position to score some points. But when it comes down to it, Brock Purdy and this four Yards team is just too much. The defense is too good. And the four Yards come away with a Monday night football win and then look to come home to play the Cincinnati Bengals So. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. Like and subscribe to the channel. Um, if you're listening on an audio platform, 49ers Cutback, on believe. And uh, please give it a five-star rating. I really appreciate that. Of course, like always, if you want to get more content, there's more content over on Patreon. Uh, lo- episodes of the Ant Hill Show and Ant Classic Show are available over on Patreon. Those are exclusives to Patreon. And then as far as uh, film breakdowns, all the film breakdowns are available over there every single half of 49ers offense and 49ers defense available over there for every game this season. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining me. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers.